Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Oluwashina Okaleji. And on this week's show, we focus on the Rio Olympics. The women's football tournament starts on Wednesday and the men's competition on Thursday. So what can we expect from the African teams in Rio? Can Nigeria win men's gold for a second time? And in the women's competition, surprise qualifiers Zimbabwe look to have an impossible task, but just being there is a dream come true. We never really dreamt that we won't do we will compete in the, the most biggest uh, tournament in the world. And then it happened. And we continue to discover more about the culture of Brazil. This week we go to the world-famous Copacabana Beach. It's what you dream of when you think of uh, Rio, of Rio de Janeiro. You've got the backdrop with the mountains, the Christ, the Redeemer, looking down on you. And while there are so many hopes of winning Olympic gold and gaining sporting fame and fortune, we ask where does true identity come from? We talk to Liverpool legend John Barnes. So when you are treated as a superstar footballer, as you are going to be, as I was, I can't then feel that John Barnes, a superstar footballer who's treated that way, should be treated that way as John Barnes, the person. Lots to look forward to on the show today. So the 2016 Rio Olympics are just days away. The opening ceremony is on Friday the 5th of August, but the women's football tournament starts this coming Wednesday and the men's competition on the Thursday. Zimbabwe and South Africa represent the continent in the women's tournament and in the men's, the three African teams are Nigeria, South Africa and Algeria. Well, I'll never forget the excitement of Nigeria winning gold in the men's football competition back in 1996. There was joy all across Africa then, and also big celebrations when Cameroon won it in 2000. And while, of course, Africa has never won the World Cup, Olympic football gold has been something to celebrate. The 2004 tournament wasn't so good for Africa. Mali did best reaching the quarterfinals, but in 2008, Nigeria took silver, losing to Argentina in the final. 2012 was poor. Senegal did best getting to the quarterfinals. Well, the men's Olympic competition is for under-23 teams, but teams can include up to three over-age players. And this time around, then, we have South Africa in Group A. They play alongside Iraq, Denmark and the hosts Brazil, who have Neymar as one of their over-age players. South Africa have goalkeeper Itumelen Kune as one of their over-age players. Nigeria are in Group B with Sweden, Colombia and Japan. John Mikel Obi, one of Nigeria's overage players. And Algeria play in Group D with Argentina, Honduras and Portugal. And Algeria haven't put any of their top stars in the squad. The African teams qualified at the Africa Under-23 Cup of Nations in Senegal at the end of last year where the top three teams made it. Well, African football expert Oluwashina Okaleji joins me on the show today. Uh, so, Shina, let's start with Nigeria, a seventh appearance at the Olympics in the men's football. What can we expect from them this time? Well, we should expect so much from the um, African champions. After all, they won um, the tournament in Senegal last year. But expectations 
are high in Nigeria simply because um, people expect Samson Siasia, a coach who has actually proven himself at this level, to go a step further than he did in 2008 when he won silver. But the man under pressure, Samson Siasia, has come out to simply say he's been deprived of motivation. He's been deprived of funds to prepare his team adequately. Um, the team lacked kits um, when they, they, they were preparing for these games. And he cried out saying, look, we are handicapped because we lack money. We lack everything that we need. He's faced his own personal um, challenges as well. His car was buggered at the team's hotel um, in Atlanta where they were preparing for the games. Um, he's had to go through a series of adversity. Remember, his mom, his mother was kidnapped before the tournament in Senegal as well. So here's a man who's trying to lower expectations. But fans won't pay attention to him simply because Nigeria failed to qualify for the African Cup of Nations in 2017 that would take place in Gabon. The under-20s, that's the Flying Eagles, just failed to qualify for the um, 2017 edition of the African Youth Championship in Zambia as well. So fans are only turning to the under-23s. They know it's going to be difficult for the Super Eagles in the um, World Cup qualifying group, but they believe in Samson Siasia. They think he has a team. He has John Mikel Obi to lead the team. A boy has been deprived of everything he wanted. When I mean everything, I mean the likes of Odion Igalo of Watford, Man City's Kelechi Hanacho, Alex Iwobi of Arsenal. These are three key players he said he would need to build a strong team that can compete for gold at the games. But he can't he doesn't he does not have them. But people back home are not paying attention to that. All they want is the gold medal. And I think that would be an unnecessary distraction for the team because this man has come out to be honest with fans. But Nigerian fans they always want win and they always want the good. And um, I think, <laughs> rightly so, they can expect. But reality, is, reality speaking, Steve, I think it's going to be difficult for the um, team in, in that group there because it's going to be difficult when you're playing against Sweden, Colombia and Japan. These are three teams that have actually prepared properly for the games in Group B. So we wait and see what the um, so-called dream team can do. Would they be having a big dream of winning gold or they've been having nightmares? Well, let's hope it is a good one for Nigeria. Uh, South Africa are there for only the second time. They've got Mamelodi Sundowns midfielder Keegan Dolly. I think he's one of the best under-23 players in Africa right now. How do you see South Africa's chances? Well, Steve, I think um, in Amaglocklog, um, we have one of the most prepared um, African side. I don't, I don't know how to describe that because they basically had everything under control. They had the best of preparations, unlike um, Nigeria. I think um, when you look at this squad, they, they've actually gone for two experienced players at the back. You know, they've, they've named into Mulen Kone, Bafana Bafana, um, most experienced goalkeeper. Remember in 2000, their only appearance at these games, they beat Brazil 3-1. They failed to get out of the group. I think they had the moral victory, everyone would say. They beat one of the powerhouses of world football in Brazil. But what did they achieve? I think it's about time South Africans start, started dreaming big. They need to go beyond just going there to entertain and uh, do Shibobo and the rest of them. I think um, they've had the best preparations. They look like a side that know what to do. Coach Owen Dagama has actually um, tried to play down on expectations. But I think coming out of that group would be a major, major achievement But um, for Amagloglog. I think for me, I, I think when you're facing the likes of Iraq and Denmark after Brazil, you should expect that things should go well for um, the South Africans. And I think I expect big things from them, but they need to believe in themselves and, of course, achieve success on the pitch. Yes, the opportunity is there for South Africa. And Algeria may be Africa's top-ranked senior team, but this is only their second time at the Olympics in the men's football, the other time way back in 1980. 
their first appearance um, at Moscow in 1980, where they reached the quarterfinals, only to lose training to Yugoslavia. I mean, that was a benchmark for African teams. Nigeria went in 1988. Everyone expected so much until they won gold in 1996. So, but specifically about Algeria, I think um, their Swiss coach has been someone who expected to get a chance to name probably two or three of established um, Algerian players. The likes of Brahimi was mentioned in the local media. We had many people saying Islam um, Slimani could make it. And um, of course, Sofian Feguli, but he had to face his own transfer to West Ham and all of that. So he's not actually gone for one of those established names. Instead, he's opted for his tested and trusted players that gave him um, the ticket to the Rio games. But can they win good? I don't think so. I don't think um, they, they've got the strong squad to go beyond the quarterfinal stage. Algeria in a group with Argentina, Honduras and Portugal. It doesn't sound easy. Well, the men's opening games are on Thursday. South Africa play Brazil, Nigeria face Japan and Algeria meet Honduras. The women's tournament starts on Wednesday, Zimbabwe taking on Germany and South Africa playing Sweden. The women's competition is for senior players, unlike the men's. And well, here in Zimbabwe, we are so excited, qualifying for the women's football tournament for the first time and knocking out the mighty Cameroon in the final qualifying round. It is one of the big fairy tales of the Olympics, but uh, to be honest, Zimbabwe are likely to suffer some heavy defeats. Zimbabwe are ranked 93 in the world. They open with a game against world number two side Germany, then Canada ranked 10th, and then they face number five ranked Australia in their final group game. Well, striker Rudo Neshamba scored both of Zimbabwe's goals in the final qualifying round games against Cameroon, and she told Spencer Banda that Zimbabwe's women are living the dream. Yeah, it felt great uh, having to qualify for the Olympics. We never really dreamed that we one day will compete in the the most biggest uh, tournament in the world. But then it happened, so we were really happy. When you scored, the feeling after scoring that goal? Uh, I couldn't really explain explain the feeling. I was just happy that I had made the country proud. So it was such a great feeling. Now there'll be scouts, uh, there'll be other teams watching and... Many things happening in Rio. What is your aim individually as Rudo when you go to Rio? Yeah, it's every one's dream here to play in Europe or in any other country outside Africa. So uh, we're working really hard so that we meet the, the required fitness levels and the technical skills and everything so that we can be able to compete in the leagues over there. I would love that. Your message to you know younger players, I know, what do you want to encourage you know, a 10, 11-year-old girl who is playing women's football? All I can say is uh, keep training, be willing to learn everything is possible. Only hard work and then everything will go out accordingly. It's a fairy tale. Uh, that's the Zimbabwe striker Rudo Neshamba and her goal here in Harare in the second leg against Cameroon sparked huge rejoicing across the country. Uh, but for me, I have to say, I think Zimbabwe will probably be beaten heavily, especially in that first game against Germany. But just being there in Brazil is a massive achievement. So, Sheena, what about you? Do you have any hope for Zimbabwe, the mighty warriors? Well, with due respect to the Zimbabwean side, I think um, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, you, you, you think of 
a team that have actually punched above their weight by qualifying for the tournament. I think that's a massive achievement on their own part. But when it comes to the game proper, do they have the um, right um, experience? Do they have the um, players with huge experience to actually compete at this level? I think they don't. Um, they are facing superpowers in world football. They have Canada, Australia and Germany. People are praying that Group F will not be for failure in terms of um, the Zimbabwean side. But like I said, they've achieved tremendous success by coming to the games and remember the olympics is not about winning it's about competing and i think they've they will really really um be proud of what they've achieved zimbabwe well i agree entirely and uh, sheena what about uh, south africa banyana banyana have had uh, far better preparations than zimbabwe they played at the 2012 olympics uh, but like zimbabwe they're up against much higher ranked opponents uh, they're in group e with brazil china and sweden well, Steve, I think Bayana Bayana know exactly what to expect, and that's why they've actually gone ahead to prepare properly. They played um, Netherlands in back-to-back friendlies um, in June. Um, they also travelled to the US to play against um, the United States of America. They only um, lost 1-0. They built from that, knowing fully what they've achieved, what a lot of people thought um, was impossible. People thought they were going to get spanked by the United States of America, um, the world champions. But then um, I think um, they, they, they will go into this tournament knowing that in China, Brazil and Sweden, it, it doesn't come worse than that for you. You're facing undoubtedly big names in um, world football, women's world football. So it's going to be difficult for them. But I think we can't just write them off completely. Um, when you look at the, the score they have, they have Noko Matlo. Matlo with 124 caps and 63 goals. He's one of the most experienced players in South African squad. They have experience, but what can they do with it? That's what matters. Against Brazil and these other teams, it's going to be difficult. Once again, the spirit isn't playing, but if they can punch above their weight and get out of that group, it'd be a massive achievement, not just for South African football, but for African football as well. Well, only once has an African team made it out of the group stage at the Olympic Women's Football Tournament. That was Nigeria in 2004, reaching the quarterfinals. Well, we wish the African teams all the best at the Olympics. Uh, thanks a lot to Oluwashina Okaleji there. And this week on Facebook and on WhatsApp, tell us how do you think Africa will do in the Olympic football tournaments? Will there be a repeat of the men's gold won by Nigeria in 1996 and by Cameroon in 2000? What do we expect from the women's teams? Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. As we build up to Rio, we're going to the archives for some stories on the culture of Brazil. Solomon and I were in Rio two years ago for the FIFA World Cup, along with colleagues Tom Ellis and Andy Bloss. And Rio is a wonderful city, spectacularly beautiful and with great history and culture. The Copacabana Beach is one of the most famous beaches in the whole world. It's warm, sunny and sandy. In this report, Tom and Andy give us a taste. We're here on Copacabana Beach, the world-famous Copacabana Beach. Uh, We were welcomed to the sounds of samba, and you've got the sea and the sand and the sun shining down on our backs. And um, you really get a sense that it's a really important place to the carioca, to the people of Rio de Janeiro. Um, It's a place where they can come, and everyone's equal. It's their playground. 
Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. People walking around in their bikinis and swimsuits all around us now. And um, yeah, you just get a place. It's a, a place of fun, a place of relaxation. You know, there's a lot said about Rio in terms of perhaps the violence, perhaps a lot of the downsides of it, the, the, the poverty gap. But here, there's no sense of that whatsoever. There's, there's a tranquility about it. There's a peace about it. And it's just a fantastic vibe. We've just been speaking to some people at the side of the beach to find out exactly what this place, what Copacabana Beach, means to them. The beach is good because in Rio, everybody goes to the beach like a, use like a park. And you can play, you can swim, you can talk with people, meet people. And because of that, every Carioca loves the beach. It's what you dream of when you think of uh, Rio, of Rio de Janeiro. You've got the backdrop with the mountains, the Christ, the Redeemer, looking down on you traders selling stuff, trying to sell stuff to you, Brazilian flags and little shops along the road at the side and the waves rolling in. It's a place which really sums up Rio de Janeiro. It's a, it's a postcard picture. I think there's only one thing less, left for us to do, Andy, and I think we need to find, find a game of beach soccer and get involved. What do you think? Well, I would have gone in for a swim first if it was me. Thanks a lot to Tom Ellis and Andy Bloss. We'll hear from them on next week's show as they'll be arriving in Rio in the next couple of days. And now we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook. And last week we asked, who do you think will win the CAF Champions League this year? There were games on Wednesday and Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa qualified for the semi-finals with a 1-0 win over Zamalek of Egypt. Al-Athli gave themselves hope. The Egyptian Giants won 1-0 away to Group A leaders Widad Casablanca. And Zesco United of Zambia joined Widad on seven points with a 1-1 draw away to Asik Mimosas of Ivory. Coast. So before those latest results, we asked, who do you think will go on to win the Champions League this year? And interestingly, this topic hasn't caught your interest as much as others we featured recently. That's borne out in our first two comments. Fode and G in the Gambia says, I've not been keeping track of the tournament. And Rex Rosai Carbgo in Sierra Leone says, I don't pay that much attention to African football, so I can't say. And two responses from listeners who are following the Champions League. On Facebook, Funny Wamame in Malawi says, Zesco from Zambia is a team to mention. They will surely win the trophy. John Piri agrees, but then he's in Zambia, so I guess that's to be expected. John says Zesco will meet Widad Casablanca in the final. I feel it's Zesco's turn this time, he says. On What's Up, Nuhu Bakayoko in Libya and Aladdin in the Gambia both say they predict Zesco United too. Amadou Jallo in the Gambia goes for the team from the Ivory Coast. He says, I hope to see Asik Mimosas lift this one. They're one of the strongest teams left in the competition. Another side getting plenty of support is Morocco's Widad Casablanca. Ebrima Amber Barrow in Palermo, Italy, says, I'll surely put my money on Widad to go on and win the Champions League. They've really got the tools to do so. And Bobby Brown in the Gambia also says the title will go to Widad Casablanca. Uh, there is some support for the two Egyptian sides in the competition. Cherno Jallo in the Gambia says it's been a poor start for my Cairo Giants, Alatli. 
but I'm still confident that they can make it. And Mamadou Ba also in the Gambia goes for the other Egyptian team, Zamalek. Usman CJ Ba in the Gambia thinks the title will go to the south of the continent, to South Africa. He says, I think Mamelodi Sundowns will win because they have the all-round strength and ability to do so. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you here on the show. And this week we're asking, how will Africa do in the Olympic football tournaments? Can Nigeria repeat their men's gold of 1996? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Tell us how you think Africa will do in the Olympic football tournaments. Now, as the world focuses on the Rio Olympics, the competitors there will be hoping that their dreams of winning Olympic gold come true. And also with two weeks to the start of the English Premier League, players, teams and fans are hoping that this will be their season. But uh, sporting success is short-lived and it can lead to ask us what our true identity is as people on this earth. Is there more to winning trophies and medals, fame and fortune, or for many of us achieving success in our careers or doing well in business? Well, John Barnes is a Jamaican who's well known in much of Africa. He's a Liverpool legend who won two league titles with the Reds in 1988 and 1990. He played for England 79 times, playing at two World Cups, and he went on to coach the Jamaica national team. Well, Barnes spends a lot of time in South Africa these days. He works as an analyst for continent-wide satellite TV broadcaster Supersport. Well, one key event in Barnes' life was the 1989 Hillsborough disaster in Sheffield in England, where 96 people died in a crush during an FA Cup semi-final between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. Well, Barnes was there and went through the aftermath of the tragedy, visiting the injured and attending funerals. And Barnes told me that for many players, this was a time of thought about what's important in life. It reinforced my thoughts on life. And why I say that is because I never thought football was the most important thing. And while a lot of footballers will say after Hillsborough, I had to then reevaluate my priorities and really come to the conclusion that, you know, there's much more important things than football in life. I never thought that football was the most important thing. So I, it, and it reinforced that to me when I saw the reaction of people. And I'm thinking, why are these people all of a sudden thinking that football is much more important and now they have to think the other way? So I was shocked when so many players were then thinking. And I met a lot of players who then thought, oh, you know, it affected me in such a bad way because I just thought that football was the most important thing. I've never thought that. I've always known that there are many more things much more important than, than, than football. So I didn't have to reevaluate. But it also brought home to me how much passion fans have for football because the Liverpool fans were so good and people who had lost their families and lost loved ones still loved the club so much and came to the club and thanked the club for supporting them and it was like how are you thanking us for supporting you in many respects your, your loved ones died because they came to watch Liverpool play and you're now thanking us for supporting you because they love the club so much so it really reinforced to me how important football is to people's lives now obviously from the point of view of a disaster at Hillsborough which is not a natural thing to happen or a common thing to happen in England and you see how much love people have. Now, imagine in, in areas of conflict all over Africa and all over the world where this is a regular occurrence and how much joy football gives people regularly when they go through things like Hillsborough week in, week out. You said you never thought the football was the most important thing in life. What are the most important things to you personally in life? Your family, your friends. I always look at football and my, my life in, in two aspects of it. 
as a footballer and as a person. And I always say football, a footballer is what I was. It was never who I was. There's John Barnes, the person, John Barnes, the footballer. John Barnes, the footballer, is what I was. So from a professional perspective, everything that goes along with that. But even when I was an 18, 19-year-old player, John Barnes, who I was, was always separate. Now, unfortunately, what happens a lot is that footballers marry the two. So when you are treated as a superstar footballer, as you are going to be, as I was, I can't then feel that John Barnes, a superstar footballer who's treated that way, should be treated that way as John Barnes, the person. The problem we have is when you marry it, when you believe that that's who you are, it causes a lot of problems. So when you see a lot of footballers and a lot of sportsmen generally who get depressed when they finish, it's because when you buy into this whole idea that, that whoever the sportsman is the same as whoever is the person, because you know when you're a sportsman and you finish playing, the next sportsman who comes along is going to be the hero. And you, in many respects, may or may not be forgotten about. Now, if they don't forget about you, fine. But if people forget about you, then you have to live a normal life. But if you still walk around the streets believing that you should still be treated as the superstar that you were and you're not, that's when you hear about footballers getting depression and be, because life is you know, unfair. So that is why I have a very balanced view on, on, on the way I am. And that is why I always knew. And I knew this from a very early age. That's Liverpool legend John Barnes there on his perspective on life and the question of identity. Uh, Solomon Barnes has a mature perspective there, but it's understandable how many famous football players can struggle with handling fame and the question of what their identity is. Yes, a lot of footballers do struggle, you know, when they begin to get to the end of their career, they now realise that they've been living uh, a life that is definitely not going to be permanent. They get a lot of accolades, you know, they get a lot of status and they get VIP treatment wherever they get to because they're superstars. People see them on TV, they know them from the pages of a newspaper and through the media. But a footballer's career is very, very short. And, and the moment you begin to get the end of that, and if you don't know who you are, your identity should not just be a footballer because your life as a footballer is going to come to an end very soon. I was talking to a friend of mine from Ghana recently, how a Ghanaian footballer is back in Ghana right now. He was a huge superstar, but right now he's back in Ghana driving a taxi you know just to make ends meet uh, he used to end so you know thousands and thousands of, of pounds every week but now you know the money is gone so that's not who you are as an identity you need to look deep inside of you and ask yourself who am I and what do I want to do with my life and hopefully also if you're smart enough learn another skills you know and to be able to say look this is who am I this is what I love outside of football but you need to get a deep meaning of life you need to get to understand what is the role of God in your your life. I think that's the first place for us to be able to connect to our identity because God created us. So our identity is tied to that. And if we can connect to him and find out more about him, his love for us, his expectation for us, then we are going to definitely be a better people and we're not going to struggle at the end of our career. Well, thanks, Solomon. And let's hear from a star footballer who is still playing, a Zambian international, Jacob Mulenga. And he's also asked these questions about identity in his life. He says he finds his identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. I know I'm someone who's extremely blessed and who can do anything in football because I know my strength doesn't come from me exactly. It comes from above, so I know what I can do and I know there's no limit to what I can do. That's, that's who I am. I'll, I'll be challenged, I'll be criticized, but I've learned how to live with all that, how to be criticized, and it's like God won't take you to the next level if you don't know how to handle the pressure of being up there. So you really have to learn and you have to know the higher you go, the, the worse it becomes. The higher you go, the worse every time you miss one ball, you have thousands of people calling you names or calling you stupid. Every time you score one goal, you have millions saying you're the greatest. 
And Mulenga was also asked what difference knowing Jesus makes in his life. It makes a, a, the biggest difference ever. Without him, I would be so lost. I would be completely lost. Like, if I didn't have Jesus, I would have stopped football a long time ago. I would have just quit a lot of things a long time ago. I would have, I would have stopped because I, I had nothing to lean on. And I learned I can't lean on my parents. And they, they even made me understand that to say, listen, you can't lean on us. It's, it's just not that way. And I'd always teach my nephews, like, you have God first, you have family, then you have education. Never get it wrong. Once you get it wrong, you're setting yourself up for a big disappointment. So for me, it, it means everything. That's Zambia international Jacob Mulenga, currently playing in China with Xi Jinping ever bright with his views on identity, giving us a perspective on sporting success and fame as we get ready for the Olympic Games. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and WhatsApp, we're asking how will Africa do in the Olympic football tournaments? It's Zimbabwe and South Africa in the women's tournament up against some much bigger guns there. In the men's, the three African teams are Nigeria, South Africa and Algeria. How far will Africa go this time? Will there be a repeat of the men's gold won by Nigeria in 1996 and by Cameroon in 2000? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Oshoms in Nigeria, and our guest analyst Oluwashina Okaleji, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.